One of the central purposes of our radio ministry is to stir up in our listeners a robust confidence in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ for everything they need. As God's people satisfy themselves in the fullness of Jesus, He will become attractive to those around them. Welcome to the Bread of Life. As we listen today, let us pray that this desire will be met in our lives. Now here is our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 13.17 calls for obedience and submission to the leaders of the church. But it is those leaders who God will call into account. They are on assignment. They are to live in obedience to their calling, and this is their calling. They are to feed, tend, guide, and guard God's flock. God will hold them to account to their faithfulness in doing so, or to their failure to do so. We'll learn more about the duty of the pastor today, and then we'll talk about what it means to obey them. One last thing. The pastor who carries on his watch over the flock is to carry it on with love for the sheep. He's to watch over the flock with love for the sheep. He must love the flock that's in his care, and that love for the flock will find its expression in his attitude towards those he is caring for. If they're growing in peace, if they're growing in grace, if they're growing in faith, if they're growing in hope, if they're growing in holiness, if they're building and expanding in Christ-likeness and maturity and vitality and obedience to the Lord, if they're coming to know Him and feed on Him, and love Him, and so love others, if they're sensitive and submissive to God's instruction being lovingly brought to Him, that pastor experiences joy because he loves them. And it's a joy to see them responding. And if they're not doing well, if they're stubborn and critical and unyielding and divisive and hard-hearted, it will bring to the loving pastor great grief. That they may do it, it says here, with joy and not with grief. The Apostle John wrote to the little church that he was writing to in 3 John, and he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. That's love. That's the expression of a loving pastor carrying out his duty that's been assigned to him. On the other hand, Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, and he expresses his sadness over their hard-headedness and their hard-heartedness. He wanted to find them in companionship, where they would take joy in the very things that he took joy in. That they would take joy in a full surrender to the instruction of God and a full surrender to Jesus Christ in that instruction, even as it came through him. But instead, as he wrote to them and as he heard what was happening, he began to discern that they were not receiving his instruction very well. They were resisting it. They were turning from it. They were becoming divisive in it. And so Paul actually hesitated in going to visit them. He thought, you know, listen, I'm going to let this thing that I've said to them settle in for a while, and hopefully their attitude will come around in the right direction, and so I'm going to delay coming so that I don't have to come and be hard on them because that would be painful for me. In fact, he actually writes to them in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 to explain his delay. In verses 3 and 4, this is what he writes. 2 Corinthians 2, 3 and 4. I wrote as I did so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be the joy of you all. Apparently that wasn't the case. Instead he says, I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears. I don't, 
How do we kind of give you an example of this? Let's go back to parents. What parent doesn't enjoy a child who's compliant? At least the moments of their compliance we enjoy. We enjoy it when they're tender-hearted. We enjoy it when they're loving and when they're desiring for the good that we desire for them and when they want to be good. It's a blessing to us. Those moments are blessings. It's an ongoing progression of joy and others it's just momentary. But And when our children are willful and when our children are resistant and when they're rebellious and when they're argumentative, what a grief. What joy, what grief, what joy, what grief. Either way, let me tell you this, either way, rejoicing or by grieving when you're parenting, you're showing that you're loving. Get it? Rejoicing or grieving when you're parent, you show that you're loving. You know what's not loving? Indifference. Ah. When you're loving your children, you joy in their, their obedience. And when you're loving your children, you're grieved when they don't, when they don't submit. Child resists their parent. The parent gets upset, brings them a task, is angry with them all day long because the child is resisting. Maybe it goes on for a day or two or three or four or five or a week or two or three or four or five. Finally, the child comes and says, you're always angry with me. You don't love me. Parent's response is, I'm angry with you because I do love you. And for no other reason, I love you. You know the kid down the street, four doors down? He's the bane of this whole community. He's a terror throughout the whole community. I have not lost one ounce of sleep for that kid. I know his parents probably have, hasn't bothered him. I've slept well. But you know your attitude, your resistance, your spirit of defiance? I turn on my bed all night long because I love you. Rejoicing or grieving, the pastor under the authority and rule of Jesus Christ discovers that he will love those that the Spirit loves under his care. Because of that love, he'll rejoice with the little lambs when they're doing well, and he'll ache and groan when they're not. And in this way, he gives expression to not himself, but to the heart of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the tenderness of our Lord. Let me make some conclusions here, some applications for the members of this little flock here in this place, but also to anyone else in any other flock in any other place. Here's a question I'd like to ask you. What should you do for such a pastor? I mean, one who is functioning under Christ's orders, attempting to follow his assignment, preparing to give an account for the care that's been entrusted to him, rejoicing and grieving over those he loves by the Spirit. What are you to do for him? What's the author saying you should do for him? This is really where we start. It says obey and submit. Let me tell you what the author is really saying. What he's saying is make your pastor's assignment easy. Go easy on him. Go with him. Cooperate with him in his assignment. Believe God's word with him. Come before Christ in the instruction of the word of God that God gives through him. Obey and submit to the guidance that Christ offers up to you through his life and his ministry. Do it with a heart of willingness that will bring him joy and not a spirit of resistance and resentment that would make him sad because, listen, there's no value for that and for either one of you. There's no value in that. So make his job easy. Obey and submit. 
believingly to the Lord Jesus Christ as he obeys and submits believingly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, I want you to see one other application. It's not simply obey and submit. Note here that the author now speaks about himself personally. He's been speaking all through the book of Hebrews, and he's been speaking to them in a sense from afar about their own circumstance and situation. But now, all of a sudden, the author interjects himself into their lives, and he says this, Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience about what? What's he saying to those he's writing to? He's saying, along with those leaders and shepherds that are among you and with you right now, we too consider ourselves to be shepherds in your lives. And we too are seeking to maintain a good conscience in the things that have been delivered up to us and the calling that has been assigned to us. We know before you that we are under Christ's command. We want to honestly follow out and carry out our assignment on your behalf. We know that God is going to hold us into account as we live out what we preach and as we carry out the care that he's given to us for you. We believe that we love you and we long for you. We trust that we have a good conscience in all these things towards you. And out of that, this is what he says. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for me. Pray that I might maintain this good conscience. That's what he's saying. Pray that God would keep me from error and pride and discouragement. Pray that I might live always surrendered to the command of Christ and under and obedient to his voice, that I might be attentive to his word and spirit guiding and directing so that I might give and offer up his spirit and his guidance and directing to others. Pray that I would be obedient to my assignment. Pray that I would remain by the Holy Spirit loving before all those I serve. As we look over you, the author is saying, you look over us. As we rejoice over your growth, you rejoice over ours. As we sorrow over your struggles, you sorrow over our heartaches as well. You pray for us. We're in it together, he's saying. Together we are under the care of the good shepherd. We're under his command. Let us be faithful to that command together. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, we are coming before a table which we are called to examine ourselves. A table that presents before us our Savior's death on the cross for our sins and the provision of His very life for us. A shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. So profound and deep was His care and interest in us. We think in our minds of the night in which He shared that meal with Him, the night before He was arrested and before He was scourged, before He was crucified. Now He took off his robes and he put upon the robe of service and he bowed before each one of his disciples to wash their feet. That night is all tenderness and all graciousness, even his corrections, even in his warnings and in his wishes and his longings to continue to partake of this meal with his disciples one day in glory. How good you are, Lord Jesus. There... There's no book that we can read that can adequately teach us how to administer the authority that you might give to us in the lives of others. And all of us are at one point in time followers and all of us are at another point in time leaders.
There is no book that we can read that can outline it to us more faithfully than the book that presents to us our dear Savior, our Lord Jesus. There's nothing that we can learn to teach us how to lead more significantly, importantly, and more faithfully again than learning it by the way of the Lord Jesus and the Master with ourselves. How he convicts deeply. How he wounds strategically. How he lifts up and blesses and heals. How he purposes and designs our good. How he hopes the best for us. Even when we're in the worst places. Such a good shepherd. We yield and submit to you, dear Jesus, around this table. We recognize around this table our community, the community of those who claim this great shepherd as our Lord. And we thank you and we give you glory. Help us to be faithful. And these are assignments. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you for joining us today, Feeding on God's Word. Bread of Life Radio is a ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local mission fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Your financial gifts make possible this radio ministry and CPE's work to make disciples of Christ among the nations. We praise God for your generous prayers and giving to that end. Until the next time, may God bless you.